0: Hey there, how's it going? You're listening to Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner, and boy oh boy, the Twins, actually coming into this week, we talked about their playoff chances, Uh, said basically they were zero, but they weren't technically zero, and now they are technically zero. Interestingly enough, Cleveland clinched the American League Central on Sunday, and then The Twins were still technically in it, even though everybody kind of thought, like, the Central was their best path. They still technically could have won all of their games remaining for the rest of the season. And if Seattle would have lost all of their remaining games, then the Twins could have secured a wild card berth. Well, that didn't happen. One, because on uh, Wednesday night, the Seattle Mariners beat the Texas Rangers. And third of all, or second of all, whatever, it doesn't matter, uh, the Twins lost... Wednesday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon at target field. So both those situations shot down your Minnesota twins are officially eliminated from postseason contention. If I had like a, like a whole soundboard and a whole good mix up here, like could add some hot keys. I'd, uh, you have the trombone that just goes like, wah, wah, wah. Or, you know, like the anchovy from SpongeBob and it just goes, wah, wah, wah. But you know, either way, um, the Twins are eliminated from playoff contention in 2022. And I just can't believe, you know, like now, obviously, like for the last two weeks, it's basically been like, all right, cool. Just like put the nail in us, put the stick, the fork in, we're done. But just remember, on like September 1st, this team was tied for first place. They are like 10 games out of first. I'm going to look up the official division standings because I, the Minnesota Twins were tied, tied for the American League Central lead this month and they are 12 games out of first place and are currently in third place in the American League Central. The Chicago White Sox and Cleveland Guardians are ahead of them. And third place probably feels like where the Twins are going to end up this season. And I got to tell you that that's disappointing. The Minnesota Twins for as bad as their teams have been in, you know, maybe the last 10 years, or you look at just historically overall, um, in, if they're in it in September, they usually rise to the occasion, at least anecdotally. I haven't had a chance to deep dive into the numbers. Maybe that's something to talk about over the winter. Uh, but they typically, when you think of 2009, they played their best and they uh, won the American League Central. You think of 2010, they were able to hold on to the division. You think of. 2017 they make the playoffs after having a strong September the team like if they're good enough and they're hanging around They usually find a way to get into the postseason something just happens 2020 you look at it They had there were one game out of the division with three games to go and they end up winning the American League Central on the final day of the season but out of all that it just feels like this is just even if there is a collapse in there, if you want to count maybe 2015 when they could have made a wild card berth or could have won the Central, it was a long shot going into that month, but they didn't win it. You could even look at 2008 as a chance where they blew it. Uh, they had an American League Central lead. They ended up tied with the White Sox on the uh, on the final day of the season and had to go to a game 163 where Nick Blackburn, of all people, pitches a great game, and then they lose one nothing on a Jim Tomey solo home run. So, like, there's a few times where the twins didn't finish the job but if you're looking at just epic collapses in the final month where you were in a playoff position and not only did you like not delay like, not just that oh man you just lost like you were right there no it's you just like caved in on yourself like a wet cardboard box or caved in on yourself like a dying star uh either way this has been one of the worst if not the worst september collapse in the minnesota twins history and it, it has to be up there I know this twins team wasn't good I know the lineups they were rolling out there because they had guys hurt but that doesn't matter in a sense you were still in a playoff position you were still in position to make some plays and it's not like you're competing against the American League East and you had to trot out bad lineups you were competing against a bad American League Central and by the way even when you had guys healthy uh, in your lineup you still couldn't take advantage the pitching staff's been banged up all year but you can blame injuries and that's fine Uh, but injuries don't quite tell the whole story I've talked about that before but this gets me into my next point which is Rocco Baldelli what do we do with Rocco Baldelli and really I, I, I I hear the fan base and you hear it all the time in passing a lot more casual Twins fans, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, who just say, man, that dang manager, he just, what's he doing out there? Why is he pulling guys early? Why is he resting Buxton so much? Why is he resting Correa so much? Why is he throwing out, why is he batting Kyle Garlick at the three spot, the three hitters where you want your best hitter? You know, why isn't Byron Buxton hitting leadoff? Whatever. There's a whole bunch of things. And you look at it, the number one guy that gets a lot of the blame for how bad this season is, is Rocco Baldelli. And... When I've been thinking about this a little bit here, and I had a chance to write an article on zonecoverage.com about it. Go check it out. But I'm going to give you kind of the bullet points of my logic here. Um, is that Rocco Baldelli deserves some blame. I'm not saying that you, he, you should, like, I'm not saying to absolve him of everything that's went wrong. But at the same time, to blame Rocco Baldelli for every single thing that's gone wrong with this season or even just generally the things that have gone wrong this season I think is taking a lot of that uh, justified rage and that justified frustration with how bad this team is and I think it's putting it in the wrong spot. Uh, you, like It doesn't take long to find a group of disgruntled Twins fans on social media who use the phrase fire Rocco somewhere in their post. Um, and you just see it. Like, the fan base wants somebody to pay for how bad this season is, and I don't blame them. I don't blame that general feeling. Like, that's, you know, there's a part of me that's like, you know, I really want just some kind of action towards the fan base to say, hey, we know this season was a big missed opportunity, and not only are we going to tell you that, we're going to show you that, and I think they're not going to show it in in a job firing, and honestly, that's fine. Now, Derek Falvey said last week, uh, and I quote from Do Young Park, uh, Rocco's our manager. He's my partner in this all the way through. There's uh, That's never even crossed my mind, quite frankly. Uh, Rocco's a big part of our future, not just next year, but beyond. That was Derek Falvey on Rocco Baldelli's job status. So... Uh, you got to remember too, this is an organization that really doesn't shake things up a ton. I mean, you look at the poll ads after the debacle that was 2021, said they gave uh, Falvey and Levine an A-plus for how they handled everything. And then you hear Falvey say, well, Rocco's our guy. Like, we don't see anybody but him. Those guys are not going to shake up the status quo. And whether that's good or not, I'm going to say, this is my case. Don't be so mad at Rocco Baldelli. Like, this move isn't going to please a very vocal set of the fan base that wants Rocco Baldelli fired, but keeping Baldelli around for next year is the most logical play when you think about it. Throwing the entirety or even a majority of the blame on the skipper, really, in this situation is kind of unfair. Um, so we talked about injuries, how the the starting staff has lost Paddock, Ober, and then you look at Josh Winder, who is in the mix as well. But then you look at Jorge Alcala, who really didn't pitch this season. You look at the position players, so Royce Lewis, Trevor Larnik, Alex Kirilov, Ryan Jeffers, Jorge Polanco, Tyler Malley, who they traded for, Max Kepler, most notably Byron Buxton uh, for the last month. Uh, it's a long list of players. Like The Twins have been really hurt. Um, it's easier to name guys who haven't been hurt more than guys who have missed significant time this season due to injury. Uh, but they aren't the sole reason for the team's struggles. Like I, you can make the case that injuries definitely derailed the AL central crown for the twins. And I'm not going to disagree with you fundamentally, but I will just say that like in the pie chart of blame or whatever kind of term you want to use, I don't really think that Rocco Baldelli, uh, deserves a hundred percent, but I also don't think injuries deserve a hundred percent either. Um, but they do definitely impact Baudeli's ability to manage. You wonder why uh, they have to throw Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy out there? Uh, they kind of have to. I don't think Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy were really meant to be on this team at this point in the season. I don't think that that's what... I think they were meant to kind of be here in the first half, and then when the young starting pitchers come up through the organization, then they're going to replace them. But they didn't. They got hurt or they underperformed. Uh, do you really think they wanted Gary Sanchez starting to get behind the plate almost every night down the stretch? Do you think Rocco wanted that? I don't think so. They wanted Ryan Jeffers, but he was hurt. Uh, my point is, it's fair to criticize Baldelli for not being able to rally the troops in an extremely weak division race. But with how broken the team was, though, I don't even know if Tom Kelly, Ron Gardenhire, Billy Martin, whoever you want to say in managers of Twins past, I don't know who really could have... Uh, kept this team on track uh but there is something uh, look uh the way that the twins finished is frustrating I'm frustrated you guys have a right to be frustrated you have a right to be mad but the problem is again the ones taking out on the fresh the people who are taking their frustration solely out on the manager and they act as if firing Rocco Baldelli is going to fix everything isn't really going to help because they're taking that energy and putting it in the wrong place. If you really want to take that frustration and that anger and that just, I mean, it's turned to apathy now. Nobody cares about the Twins. You look at the, nobody talks about them on social media right now. Nobody's going to Target Field. Uh, it, it, like, the Vikings are 2-1. and one, The Gophers are undefeated. No, it, It's that line from uh, Little Big League when the guy's talking with the league office about hiring a kid for a manager. And he's like, we could really use the publicity. We're not good right now and it's June, and people are already talking about gopher football. It's that kind of thing. Nobody cares about the Twins right now. They botched their opportunity to be relevant. But before that, there was a lot of anger at the Twins. There was a lot of anger. at. I think some of that anger you have towards Rocco, you can keep a little bit of it because he is the manager. He's still the guy in charge. But you also need to go to the guys upstairs. You need to go to his bosses. Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have been in control of this team for over five years now. The way, the way baseball has changed over the last two decades has given increasingly and so much more power to the front offices. Lineup cards, bullpen matchups, and more are already agreed upon pre-games. Rocco Baldelli doesn't make the lineup himself. He doesn't decide the bullpens himself. He doesn't sit with the pitching coach and they devise a plan. The front office devises a plan with him. Today's managers are essentially middle managers. Like, they're not... They're The managers back in the old day, and you even hear Joe Madden. he was on a podcast maybe with Jason Stark... Uh, I can't remember who quite he was on a podcast with, but Joe Madden, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. He was the manager of the Cubs when they won the world series in 2016. He was also the manager of the angels before getting fired halfway through the season. What he said is baseball is changing how they want managers to be. And he's like, for a guy like me and my type of manager, people who manage the game like me, where they want full control over the team that they are supposed to manage. He's like, we don't get that anymore. And, What you get is middle managers. What you get is these guys who, like, yeah, they have control in the moment. Like, they're the guy who has to officially do it, but they're following marching orders. Rocco Baldelli had this spreadsheet of, like, fifth inning, third time through the order, pull the starting pitcher. That's not solely Rocco Baldelli. That is Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and Rocco Baldelli. It's all three of those guys. Uh, That's... Therefore some po- you can point to the Twins management, a uh, roster management also with Baldelli. The five and dive approach, extra rest days, all that kind of stuff. Why they want to use Emilio Pagan in high leverage innings for the first half of the season. You can blame Rocco Baldelli for that because he is the guy who officially has to go in and make that decision. He has to go to the mound and bring in Emilio Pagan in a 2 to 1 game in the 5th inning because the Twins have to and then he gives up a three-run bomb and now the Twins are losing, and they lose 4-3. to three. I, Whatever. I understand why you can be frustrated with Rocco, but know that this decision isn't 100% Rocco Baldelli's decision. It's Derek Falvey and Thad Levine's as well. They get If they get to share in the credit with developing these plans and being the Wonder Boys and all that kind of stuff, they get to share in the blame when things on the field go wrong, and especially because of bad roster management. Bring, I've, I've said all podcast, all season, Emilio Pagan is the one of the worst things that happened to this team this season. He was not good in any way, shape, or form. There's an Aaron Gleeman piece from a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago now, where basically he just ripped Emilio Pagan and ripped the Twins for bringing him in all of these situations. But it's the Twins' front office as much as it is Rocco Baldelli. Now, Rocco has, the, like, he's the Twins front office can't go down there and change the pitcher. Baldelli could defy his marching orders. He could. But how long is he going to have a job? And if you're Rocco Baldelli, you want to be a big league manager. There's only 30 big league in the world, and he has one. Why is he going to give it up? He's in a place in Minnesota where they don't really fire people. So why, is he, why would he intentionally sabotage his job? Also, by the way, Rocco does kind of believe in it, I'll give you, like, there is a reason to be a little bit upset with Rocco, too, because he comes from Tampa Bay, and the Twins are trying to be Tampa Bay light, so I don't think Baldelli disagrees with the Twins, but, like, to put all the blame that it's always Rocco every time making these decisions isn't quite right. Now, the front office does get some credit for signing Correa. They also get credit for being aggressive at the trade deadline. Those are two things the Twins haven't done historically. Um, But even when fully healthy, the Twins still had holes in their roster. We talked about Emilio Pagan. We talked about Joe Smith in the bullpen this season, too. That was the Twins' big get for a bullpen that lost some pieces and that wasn't good last season either. Their thought was Joe Smith, Pagan, and and a rookie in Duran who had an unbelievable season, but even one good boy can only pitch one inning, and the Twins only pitched him one inning at a time. So the Twins gave Baldelli really no options to use in the end of games. Like Emilio Pagan came in because the Twins refused to do anything outside of Emilio Pagan. Um, You know, they added Jorge Lopez, sure, but he's had an ERA of 5, of Almost five and a half, and his win probability added has been negative since joining Minnesota. So, my point is, is like Baldelli deserves blame because he is the guy making roster decisions, but at the same time, like he's also been dealt a crappy hand with his bullpen. You can question his bullpen moves. I've questioned his bullpen moves all season, but one, he's not the guy who's making them, and two, well, he's not the guy who's. He's not going off on his own and making these decisions. He's making them in tandem with the front office. And two, the front office is all... You look at why they would bring in, you know, Trevor McGill or Giovanni Moran or basically, you're like, why is this scrub coming in in the seventh inning? Well, it's because the Twins really don't have anything else. You talk about the Twins' pitching pipeline. Some of these guys were supposed to come up and, and make the jump. Jordan Belazovic has an ERA of, like, seven. In a he was supposed to be in the big leagues by now. Josh Winder and Bailey Over have been hurt. That's not on Baldelli. Uh, but even if Baldelli gets shown the door, so like let's say Twins fans got their wish and pushed Baldelli out, it doesn't mask all of the underlying issues the 2022 Twins had because a change in leadership wouldn't even change the style of management with the team. If the Twins got rid of Baldelli and Derek Falvey and Thad Levine stay in their current jobs, they're just going to hire somebody who thought exactly like Rocco did. Maybe you get a little bit of change in personality, but I think Rocco's personality has been the best factor he's had as manager. So, like, that's to say, like, I don't really think Rocco's a smart tactician as a manager. I don't think Rocco's that great in that role. I think Rocco's just a guy who's, like, can basically make everybody get along and keep everybody chill through a long season. I think that's his best attribute. And when you look at the... And if that's the... Th- I, 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 again, if the Twins fire Baldelli, they're just hiring... They're just going to hire somebody who philosophically is the same as Baldelli. So you're going to be mad at the next guy they bring in. So again, that means you don't... If You can be mad at Rocco. But to pretend that firing Rocco Baldelli is going to change this team is not correct. He's going to... He's going to still, his style of play is still going to be here even if he's not because Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are still in charge. So if you're Baldelli, what good would it be to disregard orders completely and potentially lose your job? Like what good would it be to say, screw you, Derek and Thad, I'm going to pitch Joe Ryan eight innings today. And then the Twins are like, hey man, what are you doing? And he's like, screw you, I'm not doing it anymore. And then the Twins are like, okay, fine leave like we're going to fire you and then Baldellis out of a job. So and again, there's only 30 big league manager positions in the world. Why would he give up that opportunity? Uh so it again, don't make me think that don't make this rant here think that like I'm a big Rocco Baldelli guy and I think Rocco's the best manager in the world. I think Rocco's fine. Like There are parts to like about him. I I think his personality is really good for just what baseball is. It's a slog. It's a long season. To have a guy who's just laid back and chill is fine, and that might be the best approach for a younger team. But, again, he's still the guy who thinks like Derek and Thad do. But my point is is that if you're going to fire Rocco, you have to fire the brain trust upstairs, or you're going to set yourself up to be in the same position. But here's my one thing. I think you should run it back one more time with everyone, Derek, Thad, and Rocco. But if the Twins spin their wheels for a third straight year, if they make like if they sell off a veteran player to get some prospects, but then also like buy a, a veteran player with prospects, like if they make some lateral moves here and there and they spin their wheels for 2023, then we have a chance to talk about like a true like cleaning house. Because if the Twins next year have three straight seasons where they're expected to at least be in the mix. 2021, they were expected to be a 90-win team, and they just fell apart. That was due to Derek and Thad. And then this season, they fell apart. Rocco deserves some blame. Derek and Thad deserve a lot more. And then you look at next season. If they spin their wheels again, if the players they bring in don't succeed, and they can't just and they can't put one foot in front of the other then we have a really great opportunity to talk about getting rid of them honestly if the twins don't make the playoffs next season or at least don't look like a solid baseball team like if they if they can you know what i'm saying they have this younger team some of these guys should contribute kirloff and Larnick need to contribute next season those are Larnick is at least their guy Uh, You look at Brooks Lee is going to make his debut next year. He's their guy. Royce Lewis is going to be play once he comes back from his ACL injury in like next June. He's their guy. So this is their they're owning it now. This is their team. A lot of these I know there are some holdovers from the Terry Ryan era, including Kirilov and Buxton, but these are their guys, and this is their team. They're here. If they if Thad and Levine didn't want them, they wouldn't be here. If Derek and Thad, excuse me, didn't want them, they wouldn't be here. So this is their team, and if they go a third consecutive season of not only missing the playoffs, but just having an embarrassing season. 2021 was an embarrassing season. The way the Twins finish in 2022 was embarrassing, and they played in an incredibly weak division and didn't even have a postseason berth to show for it. So if the Twins go through in this season, or next season, in 2023, and have a third consecutive season of underwhelming baseball, yeah, you need to make a change, like that is, that's just, I mean you just have to, you can't spin your wheels for four years, for three years, and expect, things not to happen, because in 2019, 2020, they made the playoffs, they also made the playoffs in 2017, but things are looking a lot more like the 2018 season lately, where the Twins mismanaged, some roster moves, they were underwhelming, and all that stuff, so, so, If you want to fire Rocco, that's fine. I'm saying, like, you're going to have to wait a year, and if you're going to want to fire Rocco, you might as well just say to fire Derek and Thad, too, upstairs. Like, you're going to want a clean house. Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up to be back here again next year. All right, well, that's enough ranting about Rocco Baldelli. Again, general point, Rocco's a fine manager. And what I mean is, like, he's fine. He's a guy. He's there. He's fine. But if you really want to be upset, if you really want a leadership change... You're gonna, you're looking in the wrong place. So like, if you want, that. firing Rocco isn't gonna fix the Twins' issues. So, all right. There's an interesting quote from Carlos Correa yesterday, and, and it's a clip from Fox Nine. I think they were one of the first people to put it out, but it was in a post-game scrum. They were talking with Carlos Correa, and they're like, "Hey man, like this is potentially your last home game as a Minnesota Twin." It's potentially your last game playing for the Twins at Target Field. Are you interested in coming back to the Twins next season? And basically, Correa said, look, man, like, I don't mind being here. But I'm not going to take a hometown discount. If the Twin, I'll play for the Twins. Are they going to pay the money? Now, the cynical Twins fan is saying, well, goodbye, Carlos. Have fun in Chicago. Have fun playing at Wrigley. We'll see you later. Have fun playing in San Francisco. Have fun playing somewhere else, because the Twins sure as heck are not going to pay you $35 million a year for multiple years. And that's probably true. Like 80%, there's an 80% chance the Twins do not re-sign Carlos Correa. I think the fact that the Twins brought him in last season gives you a little bit more maybe false hope, or for me hope, that the Twins will uh, re-sign him. But, Carlos Correa is basically, he made this analogy of like, if I'm in a shopping mall and I see something I want, and I go in and I say, I really want this, how much is it? And they say, well, it's this much money. And I'm like, ooh, that's a lot, but I really want it and I'll really need it. I'm going to pay up for it. And, what you know, whatever. There's a couple things to remember with Carlos Correa. One, uh, this contract that he signed is a three-year deal, but it's basically a one-year deal two this contract was agreed upon by Scott with Scott Boris as the agent but also this contract doesn't really go to Scott Boris so Scott Boris if Carlos Correa opted back in wouldn't get the full amount of money that he normally would get for a massive deal like this so he is going to urge Carlos Correa to renegotiate a new contract and opt for free agency uh, another one is that Scott Boris is like a notably really hard agent to work with and the Twins, up until signing Carlos Correa, hadn't really had a great run of dealing with Scott Boris clients. I believe uh, I believe you Darvish was a Scott Boris client. There's a couple others thrown in there, but the Twins are going to have to figure out how to work with them either way because Scott Boris is representing Royce Lewis. I believe he represents Alex Kirilov. So if a few years down the road you ever want to extend those guys, uh, you're going to have to talk with them anyways. So the Twins better learn how to make nice with this guy or at least figure out his deal uh, because they're going to have to do it again later. And also with Carlos Correa, he's having a pretty darn good month of September. Again, there were, I. this is the argument with Carlos Correa from certain sects of the Twins fan base, and I think they are egregiously wrong, is, well, Carlos Correa wasn't that good. He's good. Now, like... This season, his career numbers are going to be a little bit lower than what they were compared to, like, even last season. And, like, numbers in his career, this is, like, probably the bottom three. It's not the worst season he's had as a pro, but, like, it's up. Like, it's down there. It's down there. But also, Carlos Correa had a pretty successful professional career playing with the Houston Astros. So going from the Houston Astros to the Minnesota Twins lineup, the way they pitch him is different because especially – at, in August and whatever when the Twins lineup was starting to fade, they can throw at him, and there's not Michael Brantley in front of him. There's a couple things that made it a little harder on him. But also, Carlos Correa is still a pro's pro. He's still putting up good numbers. Yeah, he's uncharacteristically bad with runners in scoring position this season. We've talked about it already on this podcast. Go back and listen a couple episodes ago. But Carlos Correa, I'm betting that that's a fluke. And I'm betting that this season was a down year for Carlos Correa. But if you bring him back, he's going to regret and have a better season next year because he's proven he will. He's a veteran player. He's a great, he's one of the best shortstops in today's game. And there's certain parts of the Twins fan base that don't want to bring him back. This is Carlos Correa. What are we doing here? And the same people that say the Twins never spend money, but if we don't, re, they'll never re-sign Carlos Correa. But we can use all that money that we that we won't sign Correa with, and we can use it to go get pitching. Now I'm going to level with you. How many big pitchers have Derek Falvey and Thad Levine been able to land since coming here? Like, who has been the big name? Gray? was probably Tyler Malley. Those guys both came in trades. Lance Lynn was a free agent, but the Twins were basically the only option on his board, and he hated being here. Now, that's just more because Lance Lynn seems kind of like prick, but, like, besides that, uh, when you look at the Twins historically, they've been in the run on guys like Hugh Darvish. They didn't get him. Now, whether it's a price issue, whether it's a philosophy issue, that doesn't really matter. They couldn't land the fish. Now, if you look at Zach Wheeler, he's a good pitcher, plays for the Philadelphia Phillies, the Twins... Offered him the same amount of money, according to Darren Wolfson, as they did uh, for, as the, the Twins offered Zach Wheeler the same amount of money that the Phillies did. It was a big contract. It would have been a huge deal if he would have came here. He went to the Phillies. Now, that was because he uh, his wife is from Philadelphia. That's where they wanted to be. Whatever. But all I'm saying is the Twins don't bring in big-name pitching. So if you look at the pitchers, on this season's uh, upcoming free agent list. So this is according to Spotrack, 2023 MLB free agents for starting pitchers. Now, David Price is retiring, so he's off the list. Chris Sale potentially could be a free agent. I believe Uh, this highlighted here, he's got a player option that's $27.5 million. Chris Sale is going to opt back in. Jacob deGrom sounds like he's going to opt out, but if he's going to opt out of $30.5 million, there's already a chance he knows where he's going. Justin Verlander could potentially be a free agent. He has a player option of $25 million. He's probably going to opt back in with Houston. Carlos Rodon has a player option. There's a good chance he opts back in with San Francisco because he's making $22.5 million. Noah Syndergaard is going to be a free, uh, excuse me, that's what salary them again this year. But like, um, my point is they're like, there's a chance that like Chris Sale, DeGrom, Verlander, Rodon, Syndergaard, Morton, Adam Wainwright, Nathan Evaldi, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke's probably going to retire because he went back to Kansas city, Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Nola, uh, all these guys. Now, Sonny Gray's going to be back with the twins next season. I, I am pretty sure of that, but the twins don't really have a bunch of options. And like the the thing of, well, let's use all that money that the Twins were going to use for Carlos Correa, the 30 million dollars and let's go sign a pitcher with that money. No big name pitcher is going to come here because one, there's going to be more money elsewhere if they get in a bidding war. And two, the people the same people who complain about how the Twins handle pitchers are going to say, "Yeah, and they should sign a big name pitcher." Well, The pitchers also talk, and the pitchers also see what the Twins are doing. If you're Justin Verlander, do you want to go to a place where the Twins' philosophy is five and dive? If you're Noah Syndergaard, maybe that would be better for his career. I take that back. Uh, But if you're – I'm trying to see some of these guys. If you're Nathan Evaldi, if uh, if you're Chris Sale, if you're Justin Verlander, if you're Carlos Rodon, do you want to go to the Twins if they're going to treat you like that, if they're going to treat you with kid gloves? No, maybe they would do it differently, and I'm sure they would if it's a bigger-name pitcher. But my whole thing is the Twins really, there's nowhere else for that money to go right now. Now, maybe they could piece it together and bring in two dip pitchers, but, like, who are you going to bring in? Carlos Carrasco? Aaron Nola? Kyle Gibson? Jake Odorizzi? Uh, Tyler Anderson? Uh, Corey Kluber, I mean, there's a few guys on down the line, but I think there's anybody that moves the needle for you in the free agency outside of those top few guys, and the Twins probably aren't going to get them anyways. Now, if you look at shortstops, maybe the Twins use their money at a different shortstop, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Jose Iglesias, uh, basically Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson, and Tim Anderson are the top three guys. Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Tim Anderson, And Carlos Correa are the four big shortstops on the board. Now, if you're the Twins, maybe you tell Carlos Correa to opt back in for one more year and wait till Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson get their big paydays and then go back again at age 29. But if you're Carlos Correa, just go get the big money now. You're going to be able to get it. Uh, So I think Carlos Correa was in a weird spot because of the lockout. Now he wouldn't be this year. Uh, So I think Carlos Correa is going to opt for free agency. Do the Twins use that money at Trey Turner or Dansby Swanson? Maybe. But just keep Carlos Correa. He's a good player. He'll be a good player. He's already been in this system. He's, like, I know it's Byron Buxton's team and he said that, but Carlos Correa is still in the clubhouse. He's still been a good help to some of these younger players. If you watch some of the games and you see the younger players doing stuff, Carlos Correa is at the top of the dugout greeting him. He's getting excited for him. He's a guy that, even though he's probably very frustrated with how the season ended, He's still like a player's guy. He's not a guy that's only in there for himself. And I think Carlos Correa is going to have a bounce back season. I just don't really think that there's a place for the money to go for the Twins to bring because the Twins are going to need to bring in another shortstop anyways. Because when you look at uh, excuse me, Royce Lewis, he's got to come. He's only going to come back until June, late May maybe. He's he's got to heal an ACL. That's a year injury. And who knows when he's going to officially come back. And we know the Twins like to slow cook injuries. So is the Twins are going to have to figure out who's going to start opening day shortstop for this team. They're going to need one anyways. They might as well pay up and get Carlos Correa. And when you look, you can sign him to like a five-year extension, and it's still not going to get in the way of your payroll when you eventually decide if you need to re-sign Kirilov or Larnik. Or like there's a, just a few younger pitchers. On this team, so there, like Joe Ryan. By the time that Correa contract is almost up, you can get yourself out of that thing and be able to sign the younger guys. Carlos Correa makes this team better. I know they weren't good. Like there's a whole list of reasons why the Twins weren't good, and you can say Carlos Correa having a very bad month of August and a very bad June, uh, or a very bad like a very bad July and first half of August stretch, kill and a very and a very slow start to the season. Like there, there's some, there's some low points in there for Correa, but I think if you give it another season, I think this man will be a good baseball player and will be very good for this baseball team. So this is my soapbox. This is what I'm standing on is Carlos Correa is right. He is a product. Like I mean, he's in baseball and sports. It's an entertainment game. He's an entertainer. He, if the twins want him, they're going to have to pay for him. He's like, I am a product and a service. If you want my product and my services, you're going to have to pay for it. And I will come here if you meet my terms. Now, what are his terms officially? How much is he going to want? I don't know. But if the Twins paid him around his same salary, probably give him a couple million extra in a raise, and paid over five to seven years, I don't think I'm I'm going to have a problem with it. And there will be a small sect of Twins fans who think that Carlos Correa isn't good. But those guys don't know ball. I'm sorry. They don't. Like, that's, it's just anecdotal evidence. Carlos Correa is a good baseball player. He's good. So keep him around for another season. Keep him around for a lot more seasons. Yeah, I know Royce Lewis is the shortstop of the future. But you know what? Royce Lewis never really knew if we were going to... He, he never really knew if he was going to be a shortstop. I mean, that was the position he played at. But, like, was he going to be center field? Is he going to be third base? Is he going to be first base? Like, where is Royce Lewis officially going to be as a Major League Baseball player? And... We found, like, we we still don't really know. Shortstop is kind of the default spot, but a lot of prospects start out as shortstops because they're young, and if you're a semi-athletic, they're going to put you at shortstop because that's where the most athletic person on the field usually goes, shortstop or center field, and Royce Lewis has been at both of those. Miguel Sano was technically a shortstop when the Twins signed him on the Dominican when he was 17, so... Everybody kind of starts out at shortstop. Royce Lewis isn't locked into being a shortstop of the future. I think Royce Lewis can play third. I think you put Miranda at first, maybe. Either that, you put Royce Lewis in the outfield. You split time with them with Buxton. Buxton DH is the other part of the time. Just My point is, is add good baseball players to your team and figure it out afterwards. So if there's anything to take away from this podcast, it's be mad at Rocco, but be more mad at the front office for the Twins being bad this season, and also pay Carlos Correa all of the monies. All right, I'm CJ Baumgartner. This has been Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast, and we'll see you next time.